Hey guys, welcome to VS Energy's BMS System Podcast with Mark Sankey, Rich Fish, and myself, Clayton Ferry. To get started, let's do some brief introductions of each other. And Mark, I'll let you start off with that. Sure. Uh, my name is Mark Sankey. Uh, I've been in the BMS industry since 1981 and have worked for Fortune 500 companies, really just one Fortune 500 company, uh, small automation suppliers, as well as owning my own automation dealership. After that, we founded VS Energy, which we'll speak of a little bit more, and uh, we've become a consulting resource and commissioning resource for a variety of large-scale clients throughout the United States. My name is Rich Fish. I am uh, with uh, Trinity Automated Solutions. I've been involved in the uh, building automation industry since 1984. And prior to that, uh, first exposure to controls in the late 1970s in an industrial environment. I have worked for uh, some of the large factory uh, branches for manufacturers of DDC systems, as well as a couple of independent uh, distributors. I am Clayton Ferry. I graduated college uh, with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering in 2017. Right from graduation, I started with VS Energy and it pretty much went from zero to 100 from there. Just got plopped right into a large scale integration project and I have been learning ever since. I took my CEM exam and passed that, took my FE exam and passed that, and I am on the track to becoming a professional engineer. Before I give an overview of VS Energy or get into the specifics of uh, what we do and how we do it, I would just like to provide a, a quick synopsis of what we plan for this podcast series. We will have, besides the group that's here, myself, Rich, and Clayton, oftentimes we expect to have subject matter experts to help provide an educational resource, a background for discussion of advanced automation principles, theories, and practices, and talk about things that will help building owners uh, navigate the somewhat murky waters between fact and fiction as they go through large-scale integrations, as they go through the commissioning process, uh, as they even begin the design process for large-scale or even smaller-scale automation projects and how vital the planning phases are to automation, what should be included in the planning and design phases, and how to complete a successful project with all of the requirements that are typically um, often unstated in automation projects. So just a, a little bit about VS Energy. VS Energy was founded in 2004 as a LLC with my wife Vivian and I owning the company. Uh, And at that time, we really focused on large scale systems integration engineering using a variety of open protocols, including BACnet, Monworks, and the industrial Modbus protocols, as well as large scale dashboard design. And from there, we also began to do uh, large-scale training. Uh, I am also a certified energy manager and commissioning agent, et cetera. I have many certifications from the AEE, and we provided CEM training for numerous AEE chapters across 
United States, New York, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, uh, as well as Toyota. We were a, a trainer for Honeywell for many years for large-scale energy conservation project development. We now provide, in addition to engineering, we provide large-scale commissioning services for BMS, integrations, HVAC and process controls, many other uh, industrial facilities. We also provide large-scale energy engineering, reliability and productivity improvement development projects. So we do the energy engineering, the schematic designs, startup commissioning, measurement and verification, and we've also provided expert witness and legal support in mechanical system failures, control system failures, as well as failed performance contracts where there's a dispute between the end user and the ESCO, either over the cost avoidance, lack of cost avoidance, or performance of the system. So that's a little about VS Energy. A little bit about some of the projects we've done. We, we have actually had a couple of BACnet success stories published. Uh, the Xerox integration of over 7 million square feet at the, at the Xerox Webster campus and world headquarters, upgrading slash replacing slash integrating uh, three major Fortune 500 control systems to a single BACnet network including a dashboard, a couple of airports, just a variety of uh, large-scale BACnet systems. We've also done commissioning for systems that we've designed and third-party design systems, a number of uh, legal support contracts, and in every case, the either plaintiff or defendant, which we supported, was successful in their uh, legal entanglement in either reducing their damages or winning a damages award, depending on which side of the case we were on. So that's a little bit about my experience. Clayton, you want to talk a little about your experience? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said a little bit in my introduction, uh, once I graduated college, I started with Mark and I was put right into the thick of things and we were on a large scale integration project at an airport. So that's where a lot of my uh, BMS experience started. And I learned a lot throughout that project. And uh, over the three years I've been with BS Energy, we've done a handful of other smaller integration projects, uh, some energy projects, commissioning as well. So I've, I've been with BS Energy and learning a lot on some large projects and some smaller projects throughout the years. Okay, for a, a brief interview about uh, Trinity Automated Solutions, we are an independent uh, system solutions provider to the building automation market in Western Pennsylvania, Northern uh, West Virginia, and uh, parts of uh, Eastern Ohio. Company was founded in 2014 by myself and four other senior individuals who had all previously worked for the Automated Logic Pennsylvania branch. We provide multiple different types of building automation solution products from HVAC DDC control to precision airflow, indoor environmental monitoring. Uh, big data analytics, fault detection and diagnostics, as well as uh, emergency wayfinding system integrations, 
safety system integrations, uh, lighting control, basically all of the gambit of the various systems that are part of a building management solution. My personal experience related to BMS, and I'm going to date myself because my first exposure to actual controls was back in the dark ages of the late 1970s uh, in an industrial environment where the control system was basically me flipping a pneumatic switch, opening a valve, chilling a reactor vessel, and reading the temperature on the old-style clock chart. So were you were you P, PI, or PID control, Rich? P and I. <laughs> P and I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no derivative back then. <laughs> no derivative, okay. <laughs> that isn't, that's crazy to think about. That's how control systems yeah, work. Literally, the old saying, asleep at the switch. If you fell asleep and didn't throw the switch, you could blow up a reactor. Actually got started in the... Uh, the actual DDC building management, uh, HVAC world in uh, the mid 1980s uh, for an independent company that did work uh, pretty much all over the US. Their primary focus was uh, air building pressurization and laboratory control at the time. Uh, moved from that position to uh, a national manufacturer and started a, uh, a precision airflow division within that manufacturer and moved back from that to a uh, independent controls contractor local in Western Pennsylvania in 1998. That contractor eventually got purchased by the Automated Logic Factory and was there until 2014 when myself and the others left to start Trinity Automated Solutions. Experience uh, in projects ranging from precision airflow control for critical spaces and laboratories, healthcare systems, uh, commercial office space, data center, 24 seven critical operation type spaces, as well as some light industrial stuff. So pretty much across the gambit when it comes to application of building management and DDC control systems. And it, it's interesting, Rich. I, I know uh, you and your team pretty well, but you have coined and, and brand yourself basically as Trinity Automated Solutions. And I think that encompasses the thought process, the uh, mindset of the company, the founders and the team, that you're not just a control system provider. You're a solutions provider that can take basically integration, uh, automation of practically anything that happens inside a building and do the knitting work to make things interoperate, work together in a very seamless and uh, in, in many cases a market-driven uh, basis versus a proprietary basis where you're taking the things out of the box and saying, here's what we have to offer. And uh, that's, that's what has really uh, been impressive, at least from my perspective about Trinity. Thank you, Mark. And we definitely started the business with that mindset that we were not looking to be a typical automatic temperature control contractor slash vendor. 
We were looking to really partner with our customers to provide a complete solution. However, that solution needs to be constructed, uh, bringing the expertise and experience to, as you said, knit those systems together into a seamless, uh, typical single pane of glass type interface where everything interacts together and complements each other. So that really rolls us into our next topic of discussion, which is typical A&E firms and why there is often not the expertise required for these complex jobs within the firm. So I don't know, if Mark or Rich, you guys want to talk a little bit about this subject. There has been really so much that has changed in that world. And I'm sure, Mark, you being in the business pretty much longer than I have by a few years, have seen the progression from the very detailed, uh, very well thought out systems and designs that we saw, you know, more than a decade ago to the things that we see today where for various reasons, um, the old guard moving on, retiring, unfortunately, some of them passing away uh, to the, the next generation of engineers uh, within these organizations and their experience level compared to the old guard, plus the competitive nature of that business in, in this marketplace today, where A&E firms in the past were able to build into their proposals time to do the research, to make the job visits you know, on retrofits, to get a real understanding of what was required. Now they can't they can't win a job if they put that time into their proposal. So it, it puts the project in a position where that expertise that we once saw is neither allowed by time nor experience. You know, and to add on to that, Rich, with my, uh, my limited experience in the field, it, it seems like I have, you see that when firms don't take the time and they can't afford to put that into the proposal, some mistakes and changes and issues that come up further down the project. It, it seems like you'd be at, you'd be saving money if you did spend the money up front to have the time and research put in prior to starting the project. Those are, those are all good points. And uh, Rich, I'll, I'll date myself as well too. Fortunately, when I started in the business, I, I worked for a individual, Jim Cafferty who was in, you know, a terrific mentor, but also willing to invest in training. So when I started with Jim's branch of uh, Johnson Controls, every salesperson had to go through a complete regimen, basically six-month regimen within the branch that included working in the service department, riding with the mechanics, understand the billing, and uh, doing drawings. Now, back in those days, Believe it or not, there was no CAD. You sat at a desk and you know, a drawing board and did drawings. By virtue of that, there was no such thing as a cut and paste error. You could not cut a drawing and paste it in and use it, uh, replicate it for another project. Every single one was hand-built. Now, obviously, that took time, that took money. But by and large, you were connecting pneumatic tubings to controllers, transmitters, actuators, valves, et cetera, on a schematic drawing. And it was a requirement that uh, 
uh, in the installation department, we went out and looked at every job uh, that was going in, how it went in, how it was started up. And that was a, a training endeavor focused on helping us be better estimators, understanding customer needs. And you're exactly right that nowadays, the competitive pressures on A&E firms drives the research, drives the footwork, drives the level of owner understanding, understanding the owner's needs down to the barest minimum. Uh, case in point, when we got involved at the, in the Xerox project, we were, VS Energy was actually requested to bid the project that had been prepared by another A&E firm. And so I went to Rochester, looked at the project, sat in on the pre-bid meeting, and the basis of the integration was basically a couple of sentences that in summary said, integrate all controls via ethernet. So everybody else left, and the budget, by the way, was $22 million, 22 million, to integrate about 7 million square feet. So everybody else left the meeting and I stayed behind and um, just chatting with the owner and the uh, owner's rep. And they said, will you bid this? I said, absolutely not. Not, not any chance in the world. They said to prepare a, a bid will probably cost me about $150,000 because I will have to survey every single building, every single panel, document it myself, and uh, the odds of me winning against any of the big three and or the major private um, entities, you know, controls, distributors, is very low. So that won't happen. And the, the plans and specifications as prepared are almost a, a certain prescription for project failure. It won't work. And they said, oh, my why would you say that? So then my, I went to my favorite place, which is the whiteboard and did a impromptu presentation on how integrations have to happen, what the level of engineering is required up front, how you get competitive bids and why I wasn't going to bid. Earlier, I also told them this project should cost no more than $6 million. So I got the call and they said, would you be interested in doing the engineering? I said, yes, but it, it will cost you some time and money. We need uh, eight months to do the engineering, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, we did all the engineering, complete points. There were 37 buildings, complete points lists, complete system schematics, complete uh, documentation of the existing control panels and put it out to bid. It came back under $5 million and they picked the bidder uh, that they wanted to wanted to um, move forward with. We stayed on site for a year and a half to uh, monitor the installs, do the commissioning, and it basically resulted in a 100% integration of all those buildings plus the world headquarters in downtown Rochester at a fourth of their budget, which it takes time. And I think there's a, a mindset in the current A&E uh, community that they have to be the low bidder. This is business 101, good, fast, cheap. There's always time compression. Quality is a variable and price is a variable. Quality is only a variable if you choose to let it be a variable. We, 
choose not to let that be variable. Quality is an absolute requirement. Otherwise, the, the worst thing that can happen is it ruins your reputation if you do a bad job. So don't do a bad job. Just do it right. And that's basically how we move forward. A lot of the project uh, acquisition processes today, very familiar with what you're talking about there, Mark, it drives the end result to the lowest common denominator. Instead of the customer getting a quality system that meets their needs and expectations, they're often ending up with a system that they're very frustrated with. They're unable to do the things that they expected to be able to do because it was driven by price. That is exactly correct. And the building any project, whether it's an integration project, whether it's a retrofit, whether it's new, everything stands on the foundation of technical veracity of the design. So it, we, VS Energy and, and most good consultants in our business, basically start with the owner's project requirement document, which we interview the owner. And sometimes it's five, six, seven, ten people that are stakeholders in the uh, performance of the system and interview them with an intent to gain a very complete understanding of what their requirements are for the performance of the project, performance of the systems that are connected to it, performance long-term in terms of integration of maintenance uh, systems, maintenance management systems, uh, big data analytics for dashboarding or ongoing commissioning, remote commissioning. And that typically just does not happen uh, in the low cost. Uh, we need a number, give me a dollar per square foot to design a building. It, it doesn't happen that way. And it's business driven because good engineers become promoted to department heads and managers. And even within good engineering firms, there's, there may be lots of training. And I would like to draw the distinction between training and mentoring. I I've had plenty of training, but far and away, my most valuable lessons have been taught to me by direct mentors that were interested in long-term performance, uh, technically, ethically, all of those things that are essential in the developing development of good engineers. Yeah, and I, I must say, coming from somebody that has been through the training and also has had a great mentor, uh, obviously training is important, but in a way, it, it just teaches you to regurgitate some information. It doesn't teach you how to think on your feet or what the right or wrong thing to do is in a situation. So that that is where a mentor is extremely important in developing a good engineer. Most certainly. And as I had mentioned earlier, the old guard uh, moving on, part of what you just mentioned, Mark, about them being promoted to department heads that old guard basically had a lot of field experience that was garnered over you know many years of designing and implementing systems and having the option and the time to get out there away from their desk, away from 
you know, book knowledge to practical application, hands-on knowledge. You know, individuals these days don't seem to have that opportunity to get that hands-on field experience. And they end up relying on the vendors uh, and outside parties to support them with equipment selection, sometimes design, uh, control layout. And that can be so variable based on, you know, what equipment vendor or what control systems contractor they work with. Yeah, and I don't want to go and uh, bash new graduating engineers, but to add on to that, I think it's the um, the the environment, the learning environment too, in a way, because I think a lot of engineers don't don't expect to have to go out in the field. They expect to graduate with their bachelor's degree and to live a happy life in their office, and you know, go from there, just crunch numbers and calculating. I don't think I don't think a lot of engineers understand the the footwork required in it that field experience is so valuable over the course of my career i have to say that probably three quarters of what i've learned has been through hands-on field experience and you know dealing with the applications uh you know discovering the problems in the field working through those gaining an understanding of systems as to how they operate in the real world versus how they're designed in a book with some equations. And I think the, the younger engineering for, you know, uh, folks, I would uh, encourage any opportunity that you have to get out in the field and get hands-on will benefit you not only in the experience and knowledge, but make you uh, much better at and more efficient at doing your jobs. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I agree with that one hundred percent, Rich. And, and Rich, to follow on, just to, uh, to uh, listeners, potential short term or potential long term listeners to this blog, you will hear me emphasize <clears throat> at every opportunity the need to have boots on the ground, whether it's at the pre-design phase, whether it's during installation, wherever it is. Um, I, I date myself again, but I am a ardent. Uh, reader and um, protagonist of Jack Welch and Jack has his rules for business success and the one that I think is most appropriate and necessary is run to the problem never ever try and solve a problem from your office go to the go to the problem look at all the variables impacting the problem and only then can you make a, a reasonable decision or recommendation based on what is actually occurring in the physical world of uh, equipment that you that has been constructed uh, run to the problem absolutely so to take a few steps back um, and talking about the owner's project requirements uh, for mark and rich how many times do you see the owner not knowing what they necessarily want as compared to the engineering firm not communicating that well? Far too often, Clayton. Um, a lot of it depends on the, the type of owner, the type of project. A lot of owners uh, don't have the opportunity within their structure to get involved in those project requirements 
until the project is actually being installed when it is then too late to influence you know design choices equipment choices you know how stuff is laid out yeah no that it that makes sense and it's a shame it it kind of is like that but that's where it puts i think a lot of um a lot of emphasis on that the engineers to ensure that you know there is communication with the owner and everybody knows what they want and they need uh, prior to a job getting designed and built. All the customers that I deal directly with, when an engineer actually comes out and meets with them, goes over their expectations and his ideas, that customer finds that so helpful and refreshing that they want to continue working with that engineer on future projects. Well, that's exactly correct. And to follow on to that it's very hard to say did you understand the owner's project requirements because that's typically an owner organization has multiple levels what the business manager wants what the vice president of facilities wants needs and requires are often in addition to or uh, supplemental to what may be required by the operations staff or by the uh, facility staff so it's imperative that when you walk through the owner's project requirement development process that all of those uh, layers all of those uh, groups are heard so that you can completely capture the owner's project requirements and moving on to another point that you know somewhat hamstrings uh, the engineering firms the exponential rate of change in technology that we experience in this particular market at this particular point in time makes it extremely difficult for them to stay on top of what the available technologies are, how they can benefit, and how they get applied. And that often drives them, as I said earlier, to relying on vendors, uh, manufacturers, to kind of lead them without their real opportunity to understand the capabilities and what is available. Yeah, I could imagine many new systems that get installed over a, a project of, you know, say one to two years. By the time that system's fully operational up and running, it, it could already be out of date. If that used to be kind of a 10-year thing, that's shortened itself up, like you said, to less than two years, sometimes less than a year that the technology has just leapfrogged from where it was when the project was designed and implementation began. Unfortunately, that requires some guidance from the A&E firm so that they can uh, help design in at least a plan to mitigate the obsolescence requirement and make some provisions for capture expansion to uh, emerging technology. So, I mean, that's just one more thing that has to be considered. Absolutely. I think that leads us into our last point um, very well, is how the lack of BMS expertise cascades issues from the top down. It starts with the engineer and it goes all the way through the contractor. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, I'd just like to thank you guys for listening in. And the next time we'll be talking, we'll be discussing the evolution of the BMS. So we'll be diving into a little bit more uh, technical discussion and go from there.